Well, hi everyone. I'm Janet B. Recovered from compulsive eating and bulimia. Really happy to be with you all. Um, I can say you all now because we bought a house in North Carolina, so it's no more used guys. Um, as of next month, I will not be a Jersey girl anymore. I will be a I don't know, a Tar Heel, not quite sure what they call them. But anyway, um, we are heading down south. But tonight we are talking about step 11. And this is a really, to me, a, a beautiful step. I mean, they all are, but listen to just the words of this as if you've never heard them before. Sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Can Even just the step presupposes a few things, right? It tells us that we can have conscious contact. That's like what you and I are doing right now. We are having contact, a relationship with each other, conscious, not subconscious or unconscious, awareness, conscious contact with God right? With God, with the creator of the universe. And it tells us what we pray for, knowledge of his will for us and power to carry it out. And I mean, the founders of this program weren't mean. So if they said, we're going to pray for knowledge and power, it presupposes that when we pray for these things, God is going to answer. Um, so we'll talk about that. And first, you know, if any of you have heard me talk about the story of when um, how AA really started, Bill Wilson and Bob, it really started with prayer. It started with prayer that um, there's this doctor named Bob and he kept getting drunk. And he went to a group that was a spiritual group and he said, okay, guys, like I have a problem with alcohol. And, you know, they probably laughed behind their hands and they said, we'll pray for you. And a couple of weeks later, this guy named Bill, who was newly recovered from New York, went out to, I think it was Ohio, where this Dr. Bob lived. And Bill started getting a little craving to drink, but he was directed by God. He had already surrendered his life to God. And he thought, I'll go phone a clergyman. So he went to the phone booth, no cell phones yet. There were phone booths. There were six names of six different clergymen. He got to the sixth name and called and was directed to this woman, Henrietta, who had led the spiritual group. It was at her house where they had prayed for Dr. Bob. And he called her and he said, I'm looking for a drunk to help. And she said, we've been expecting you. We've been expecting you because they prayed and she knew something that I forget too often, that prayer works. Prayer does something in the spiritual world. So it's something that we really should put the time at, take put the time and the effort into getting good at it. Because this is how we get a conscious contact with God and awareness that, you know, not that, yeah, I hope there's a God or I think there's a God, but to the point where we can say, I know there's a God. And this God gives us power and knowledge. So I'm going to do a little out of the AA 12 and 12. If you have it, it's on page 96. And it says flat out, prayer and meditation 
are our principal means of conscious contact with God. And it says, you know, we AAs and us OAs are active folks enjoying the satisfaction of dealing with the realities of life, strenuously trying to help others. So it isn't surprising we often tend to slight serious meditation and prayer as something not really necessary. And I think that's, you know, this, our book, the big book talks over and over about the two things that are necessary, right? Faith without works is dead. And I think it's good to ask ourselves which side of the bed we fall off on, because most of us fall off the bed on one side either on the faith side, and this is, you know, I've given my life to God. I don't understand why I'm binging. I'm praying all the time. I believe in God. I don't get it. And then there's people who fall off the bed on the other side, the work side of, you know, I'm working really hard. I'm sponsoring, you know, 28 people. I'm going to three meetings a day. What's wrong? And the problem is we need both right? We need a balanced spiritual life. And they're saying prayer isn't something to meet an occasional emergency. And it's not a mysterious skill of clergymen. And then it says, perhaps we don't believe at all. And I was thinking about that. Like I always believed in God, but I think, do I really believe that prayer works? And when I think about it, I would say, well, yeah, of course I do. But if I dig deep, I say, do I really, really believe it? Because if I did, I would spend a lot more time in it. It would be like having free access to the world's like best therapist, priest, social worker, you know, all wrapped up in one. And I say, do I really believe? And I say, yes, but not enough, right? Everything doesn't have to be black and white either. I believe or I don't. I believe I have faith, but I want more. It needs to be more. How do we get more faith? It's exercising the faith that we have. It's doing what we know. Um, I read about a person of great faith. And when he was younger and didn't have much money, when he would go to work, sometimes his boss was late paying him. And he just thought, okay, God knows that I need to pay my rent. So I'm not going to ask my employer for my paycheck. I'm going to just trust that God will provide. And that was something he did to exercise his faith, right? We go to the gym, we lift weights to exercise our biceps, our triceps. We can exercise our faith by, by starting. Um, a way I do it right now is like, I you know, would love for my kids to go to church. They're, I don't think they're going to church, but here's the thing, I don't ask them every Sunday. That's a way of me exercising my faith. I pray and I just trust that in God's time, he'll bring them where they need to be. So my not asking them every Monday morning, did you go to church yesterday, is a way of me exercising my faith muscle. I'm just going to trust God with the results. Okay, um, then on page 97, they say, many of us had logic that proved there was no God whatever. What about all the accidents, sickness, cruelty, and injustice in the world? The unhappy lives that weren't the person's fault, right? Unfortunate births, uncontrollable circumstances. Surely there could be no justice and therefore no God at all. 
And I think it's interesting when people say, well, there can't be a God because, you know, this really bad thing happened. Like at one point I had a double miscarriage, right? So it would have been easy to say there is no God, but I went out and God provided that I could adopt a perfectly healthy baby. In fact, two of them. So it's just funny when people say, well, this thing happened, so there can't be a God. It's always when there's a bad thing, right? This bad thing happened. But do we stop and say, oh, that time I was on my cell phone while I was driving and I looked up just in the nick of time to avoid hitting the car in front of me. There must be a God that made me, you know, look up at that second. We're not so quick to do that. And what I say about that is we're being unfair. You know, if we want to give God the blame for the bad things in the world, we have to give him credit for the good. And then they say, surely there's no justice in the scheme of things and therefore no God. And I put a note in my book, do I really want justice? If I'm saying I want justice there for everyone, then I have to be willing to say, I want justice for myself. And or just um, and if there was going to be justice based on the things I did in my life, I would be in a heap of trouble and God would have turned his back on me and not helped me. God didn't show me justice. God showed me grace. And so sometimes when things aren't going my way, I have to look, do I do I really want justice all around? Because if it happens, I'm in a heap of trouble. Um, they go ahead and they say, OK you know, we're not sure. And we can experiment and unexpected results follow. And it says, um, almost the only people who scoff at prayer are those who haven't tried it enough. I say, okay, first, what's enough? If we're just spending five minutes in the morning, like, hey, God, as I, you know, make my coffee and dash out the door, that's not enough. Um, I generally tell my sponsees at least 30 minutes. I personally spend about an hour every morning and later on I'll go into like the specifics of my prayer practice. Um, But it says we experiment. And one thing about my prayer practice is parts of it are fluid. So for instance, um, I sometimes suffer from like wicked insomnia. Well, if I'm exhausted beyond words, I don't just say, screw it. I'm not doing any prayer today. I'll do a different practice. I may just put on a guided meditation that talks about God and listen. And I experiment what works, what doesn't, what devotionals really um, set my heart on fire. What things are there that other people recommend that I've tried? And I said, yeah, no, this doesn't work for me. So we can experiment. And the goal is, again, to get closer with God, knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry it out. What makes me excited about getting to know God, right? You know, I don't want this to be a duty like, okay, I'm going to set my timer for 30 minutes. And, you know, when it goes off, then I can really start my day. We don't want that. Um, Now, and this book talks about it, that there may be days like that or weeks like that, like dry periods where we're doing it just because we have to. And that's okay um, if it's a dry period but we want to do everything we can to like excite our souls for getting closer to God. Um, And it tells us what the great results are bottom of page 97. When we turn away from prayer and meditation, 
we deprive our mind, our emotions, and our intuitions of vitally needed support. So prayer and meditation, I guess, could be like, you know, gas in a car, right? Filling my my spiritual tank. In page 98, they say something really important. There's a direct linkage among self-examination, meditation, and prayer. So last week, Melissa talked about step 10, self-examination, right? That we look and we see, what did I do wrong today? And, you know, step 11 comes after step three. In step three, we make a decision that we're going to do God's will. So we can't um, be in praying and not doing God's will and expect us to do, expect it to do any good. There's a couple quotes I found that I thought were really good. All things else being equal, our prayers are only as powerful as our lives. In the long run, we pray only as well as we live. To pray effectively, it's required of us that our lives be surrendered to God, that there's not parts of our mind or soul that are not inhabited by the spirit, no impure desires allowed to live within us, no disparity between our prayers and our conduct. So again, when we first come around, I think we all do the emergency prayers, right? The God, please help. God, I need help. And that's fine. That's fine to start. And even now, right? We all get into situations sometimes that are really hard. Maybe it's something with a child or, you know, a car accident or an illness where it's like, God, please help. And that's fine. But we don't want to live our lives on emergency prayers. And step 11 isn't about emergency prayer. So they're telling us that there needs to be self-examination, We that there has to be an interwovenness between our prayer life and the way we live our life. And it says when we do that, we may be granted a glimpse of that ultimate reality, which is God's kingdom. And it says we can be comforted and assured that our own destiny in that realm, in God's kingdom, will be secure for so long as we try, however faultingly, because we're not perfect, to find and do the will of our creator. So how do we stay close to God? First, we try to do his will. So what if I don't know? Um, I have a friend who audibly hears God talking to her. I never have, not once. Um, there are times when the best way I can describe it is it's like someone put an index card with writing in, into my brain. A thought gets into my head that wasn't there before. Um, so, but how do we know the will? Well, we can start with just the basic that God is love. So anything that is love, that is kind, that's loving is the will of God. Now, sometimes we have to figure out what does love look like in this situation, especially for parents, right? But I think that should always be the question. What does love look like in this situation? And then we, and then we try and do it as best we can, knowing that God knows our hearts and it's okay if we make mistakes. And what does it say when we do this? We're granted a glimpse of that ultimate reality, which is God's kingdom. Well, what does that mean, God's kingdom? Like I'm not teleported, you know, up above the clouds into heaven. So I was pondering that today and a few things came to mind. Um, 
page 100 of the big book where it says, the things which come to us when we put ourselves in God's hands are better than anything we could have planned. Follow the dictates of a higher power and you will presently be living in a new and wonderful world, no matter what your present circumstances. So this new and wonderful world is when things happen that are better than anything we could have planned. Um, so that's it. Um, and then I also thought of like the Wizard of Oz when, you know, Dorothy goes to Oz and suddenly she goes from black and white to color. And then I just thought how if we're in the kingdom of God, the spiritual laws apply to us. Then that means if I do God's will, he's going to take care of me. Um, just like, you know, I've used this illustration before. If I drop a pen, it's going to fall because of gravity. But birds don't fall out of the sky and airplanes don't fall out of the sky because there's a higher law than gravity, the law of aerodynamics. And if I try and to find and do God's will, I'm living in God's kingdom where I'm safe and protected. Doesn't mean I'll always get my way. As I said before, you know, I desperately wanted to have a baby, you know, when I was in recovery and I got pregnant with twins. And I had a double miscarriage. You know, things don't always work, um, but we have the power to get through it. God gives us the fortitude to get through hard times. So they continue on page 98. It says, as we have seen, self-searching is the means by which we bring new vision, action, and grace to bear upon the dark and negative side of our nature. Self-searching, 10 steps dark and negative side, we're always going to have them. I mean, the other day we were down, um, we were down in Virginia visiting our kids and there was a guy on the road who was really nasty to us. He didn't let my husband cut in. And then he stood there and he let three other cars just cut in. It was really nasty. And I saw the license plate and it was from a state where I didn't think I knew anybody. My only impression was of this guy. And it's like, my instant reaction was people from this state are rude. And it's like, so that was, now of course I caught myself and I just said, that's ridiculous. And then I remembered I knew actually from this meeting, a woman from that state and she's lovely, but that was my initial reaction, the dark and negative and ugly sides of us, the parts that can be prejudiced, the parts that can be mean, the part, you know, I mean, I've had where there was someone um, who I didn't like, and I found myself hoping that something bad was going to happen to her. I mean, again, yes, I took it to God in prayer. I talked to somebody about it, but the dark and ugly side, we all have it. And so what do we do? Self-searching. That's what they say. So what does that mean? It means on our 10 steps, we are ruthless. Um, you know, that I think people, people used to tell me, oh, you're too hard on yourself. And, you know, I don't think that's really true. I think Sometimes we can have this blanket condemnation of ourselves, like, oh, I'm such a bad person. Oh, nothing I ever do is right. Oh, I'm just not good enough. Oh, I'm, you know, well, that's just like self-pity and blanket condemnation and no way at all that, you know, a child of God should talk about herself or himself. 
But ruthless and self-searching means me saying, I'm prejudiced. I'm mean-spirited. And then go to God and ask him to remove it and try to practice the opposite. That's what self-searching means. And it says then... Um, that makes it possible for us to receive God's help in prayer. So we shouldn't bother doing 11 step if we don't do a 10 step. By the way, I know some people call, like if you do a spot check inventory during the day, a 10 step and the nightly review an 11 step. Um, again, we have ceased fighting anything or anyone. So no debates here, but just for simplicity, 10 step is the review, the self-searching, whether it's a spot check or the nightly review. And 11 step is seeking conscious contact with God through prayer and meditation. So, and again, um, just a little aside here, when we do our nightly reviews, and I think one of the best things and the worst things that have happened is this like app, my spiritual toolkit app, where we, a lot of us do our nightly reviews. It's great. It's handy. I can, you know, text it out right to my sponsor, right to my nightly review partner. But the danger is it becomes like a homework assignment. So when we're done, we're, we're to go back through it and say, okay, I was prejudiced today. I was mean-spirited. And what I do is I say the seven-step prayer or I say, God, please remove whatever my defects were. So if the app is a tool, that's great, but it's so easy to treat it just like a homework assignment. And it's not, it's part of our prayer lives. So then they say, okay, how do we do it? And in the 12 and 12, they give an example. They say, Let's look at the St. Francis prayer, the one, Lord, make me a channel of thy peace, that where there's hatred, I may bring love, where there's wrong, I may bring the spirit of forgiveness, and, you know, continues on with that prayer, and it says, we can think about it, we can meditate on the words of a prayer, so let's just take the first line, the way we can do it, um, so we read, and it's like, Lord, make me a channel of thy peace, so we might get quiet, and I always have like a pen, a pen in my journal, or if it's not around, you know, I have the notes section on my phone open because really what if God says something to me? You know, if I go to talk to my boss, I'm ready to write down what he tells me. Now I'm talking to, right to my employer with a capital E. So I need to be ready. Um, so we get quiet and then we think, Lord, make me a channel of thy peace. And I actually picture myself like sitting with God and I say, okay, let's see what this means. Lord, okay, you're the Lord. You're the one in charge. Lord, make me. That means you have the power to change me. You can make me. Make me. You care about me personally. A channel, a channel. That means your power, your love can flow through me. I'm going to be a channel of what? Of thy peace not the world's peace, not my peace, thy peace. Lord, what does your peace look like? So see, I can get a whole thing and then I can start thinking, how does this apply to my day? Who am I not at peace with? Are there two people I know who aren't at peace? You know, what does peace mean? You know, peace, can I have peace despite circumstances? And Lord, you're the one who gives me peace. So you see all in one sentence, we can just spend time like going through and just 
meditating on it, thinking, what does this mean? Um, there's a couple of other ways to meditate. And again, I've tried them all and I switch them up. Um, one is the practice of two-way prayer. You can Google it. There's lots of great information. If someone wants to um, throw the website information in the chat, that would be awesome. And that's basically a practice where I write a letter to God and then I write back like, dear Janet, and I write back from God what I think God would say. And, you know, so some people really love that, that it helps them get in touch with God. So that's one prayer practice. Another, there's a pamphlet, and this is one that I believe they used in the Oxford group, which was where Bill Wilson um, and Dr. Bob, I believe both came out of or were familiar with. And it's a pamphlet, it's called How to Listen to God by, I believe the guy's name is Mark Batterson. But if you just Google how to listen to God PDF, it's a few page PDF. And that's the practice that I use the most. So what that is, is it means we get quiet, read something spiritual first. I read the Bible or I looked up devotionals that the founders of AA used to read. And I bought those and I use the ones that, again, excite my heart, make me enthusiastic about God. And then I'll just sit and I'll pray. Um, and I ask for what I believe the big book wants me to ask for. I ask for God, please give me knowledge of your will for me and the power to carry it out. And please show me how to help the still suffering compulsive eater today. And then if I have a specific thing that I need guidance on, like, please show me, I don't, I'm just making something up. Um, what you want me to do in the first hours of my job today? Or is there anything you want me to talk to my kids about? And I'll just pray and I'll sit and I'll write. And what I write is if any thoughts come to, to my mind. And usually the first thoughts are things like do the laundry or, you know, like random irrelevant thoughts. I just write it down. I write laundry. And once I write it, it's like, it's out of my head. So once the Janet chatter is out of my way, sometimes something will come through to me. And for me, it will either be, it's usually a line from the big book, the Bible, or a song that will just come and it'll be an answer to a question. Every now and then it's a name. And then it's like, okay, maybe I should call that person. Um, or something to do. And for me, that's the practice that I use the most. Um, and I've never got anything that was like so weird. And they caution us that if we get something extreme, it's like if I got something, um, cut your daughter out of your will. I'm not going to assume that what I got was, you know, gospel truth was definitely from God. I'm going to talk to, you know, I'm going to talk to my sponsor, my husband, you know, I'm going to talk to someone about it. So if we get some extreme thought, um, this chapter cautions us. We are not to say, oh, it came to me in meditation, so it must be right. Um, for me, I know it's right if, again, it's love. Um, so I told you about the woman who I um, I didn't like very much and I was hoping bad things would come to her. And I prayed like, God, like help me. And what came to me was a line from a song. I see her dressed in white 
every wrong made right, I see a rose in bloom. And that came, and I'm like, that's in harmony with love. So that is, so I would picture her dressed in white, you know, like in a garden, like with God, you know, with God's people happy. And um, there was a line, I see a rose in bloom. So if any of you um, text with me, you'll see that I very often, I use that rose in bloom emoji because it's just, it's really special to me. So that's how I hear from God. As I said, I don't hear a voice. Some people do. I have a friend who hears God's voice often. And she was actually surprised that I didn't. And I started thinking like, is there something wrong with me that I don't? Then I read that, you know, some people do, some people don't. And God gets to choose the way he's going to communicate to me. I don't get to, if I were to choose, I would, I would want to hear his voice all the time, but um, I don't get to choose. So page 100, it, again, it talks about using our imagination and says, oh, you may say like, no, like that's kind of weird. And they're saying, yeah, think back, back in the illness, didn't you use your imagination all the time? You know, we fantasized about like, I don't know, better boyfriends, better husband. Well, not me, because I have a good one. Um, you know, better jobs, better kid, better everything. Like we used our imagination. And now I use my imagination. I mean, it may be corny. I picture myself talking to God, like on the side of a cliff with a with a river. And I picture Mother Teresa in there doing the backstroke, like happy as can be, like getting her reward for all her years she spent serving people. And as Mother Teresa swimming, God and I are just talking. I use my imagination. And so then they say that by doing this, it's a flyer into the realm of the spirit. And they say that it's practical because it gives us emotional balance, right? We all are looking for that. And again, then when we pray, what do we pray for? Knowledge of God's will for us and power to carry it out. And in the big book, it tells us that there's lots of different prayer practices. We can consult a priest, minister, rabbi for some ideas on prayer. And it says, um, but we have some suggestions. And it tells us certain things that it works if, so two things, we have the proper attitude and work at it, putting the time. What's the proper attitude? I say, first of all, it's realizing that he's God and I'm not. And an attitude of worship, that we all worship something or someone. It is impossible not to worship. We're hardwired for it, just like we're hardwired to breathe. Um, sometimes we worship ourselves, sometimes we worship other people, but we're hardwired to worship. And I think the proper attitude is to worship God, that we worship God. Well, how do we do that? Um, so I think we praise him. We just, there's plenty of praise and worship songs in whatever religion you are, and some that are non-denominational. I think um, music speaks to the soul for most of us, and to just praise. So, there have been times when I've been, you know, angry or upset or depressed, and I'll just sing some praise songs, and that'll help me. But we worship, and what that is, is just kind of pointing out the truth that God, you are glorious and you are entitled to my devotion. We worship. 
And it tells us some other things we do. Now in the big book, page 86, um, we ask God to direct our thinking, that it be divorced from self-pity, dishonest, or self-seeking motives. And it says, then we can use our brains, our mental faculties with assurance, for God gave us brains to use. We are supposed to use our brains. And, and by the way, when we have sponsors, it is okay to ask questions. We are, you know, it is not right for a sponsor to say, you know, don't ask, don't say yes, but say yes, ma'am. Uh-uh. Sponsees get to ask questions if they don't understand something, if they want clarification, if they think it doesn't make sense to them, we get to ask questions. And then a beautiful promise here, bottom of page 86, our thought life will be placed on a much higher plane when our thinking is cleared of wrong motives. Well, what are the wrong motives, right? Me, myself, and I, dishonest, self-pity, self-seeking. And what's a higher plane? Thinking about God and others. It will become more natural. And it tells us again how to pray if we face indecision. It says, we ask God for inspiration and intuitive thought. We relax and take it easy. So we don't worry. It's just like, God, I need to know what I'm supposed to do about this situation. Um, and sometimes people say, like, if there's a situation that can go either way, like God, block it or bless it. Block it if it's not the right thing. Bless it if it if it is the right thing. Um, my husband and I, as I mentioned, we're in North Carolina last week and we saw this house we really liked. And it's like, and so we prayed like, okay, God, if you want us to have it, you know, like get the obstacles out of the way. And we put a bid on and we were told that um, it was going into a competitive bid and we had to give our best offer by the next day at noon. It's like, okay. We'll do it, see what happens. An hour later, the realtor called us and said, you got the house. So it was like, that just looked like, okay, here's a case of God not blocking something, but but blessing us, like showing us that, yep, this, this is your house. So, um, you know, and if it's wrong, if it turns out to be the wrong thing, I believe that God is this the best GPS on the planet. If I make a wrong turn and I'm sincere and want to get back on the right path, he'll recalculate, he'll reroute me, you know, it'll be okay. Um, and they tell us again, page 87, being still inexperienced and having just made conscious contact with God. There it is. Isn't that like awesome? We are going to have a conscious contact with God. That is a promise. It says we're not going to be inspired at all times. Like it's okay to make mistakes. And that's why we, we check with someone, with a sponsor, with a nightly review partner. And it tells us things to pray for, that we get whatever we need to take care of, the problems that arise during the day and for freedom from self-will. And it tells us how to pray during the day when we're agitated, right? When we're afraid, when we have, you know, the word anxiety. Okay, here it tells us what to do for anxiety. I constantly remind myself I'm no longer running the show. I'm not in charge. Humbly saying to ourselves many times each day, thy will be done. And then that is protection. And what's it protection against? Page 88, excitement, fear, anger, worry, self-pity, 
foolish decisions. So if I just say, thy will, not mine be done, I surrender to your will. Um, it says, then I'm not going to get angry. I'm not going to get afraid so much. I'm not going to get nervous, feel sorry for myself or make bad decisions. And then they tell us that this works. Um, so I'll just real quick close with just basically what I do in my hour with God. Um, first, I usually listen to a, a devotional. It's about 10 minutes and I listen to it and it's just like a nice thing. And if I haven't done or my nightly review the night before, I'll do it in the morning. I list five gratitudes. And then after I list them, again, we can all make gratitude lists, but I then will thank God for the things on the list. Thank you, God, for this. Thank you, God, for that. I'll thank him. And then I'll read something spiritual. Um, I'll read the Bible, I'll read a devotional, and then I'll meditate. I set a timer for between 10 and 15 minutes. And I pray for knowledge of, I say, God, I ask for knowledge of your will for me, power to carry it out. And how can I help the still suffering compulsive eater? And then I'll listen. Sometimes I write a whole bunch of stuff. Sometimes I write nothing at all. Um, but I'm giving God an opportunity to speak to me. And then I'll pray. So my prayer consists of first like praise and worship. And before, I think it's important to just remember, I am going in the presence of God. Like, so, so to just like situate myself. And I'm not always good at it. Sometimes like I'll get on my phone during it. And like, if someone texts me and I'll look, and that's a bad thing to do, um, bad habit. So worship and what I do is like, I'll often go through the Our Father and that's a prayer that they used to end like every AA meeting with um, the Our Father. So I'll pray like a worship song and I'll pray Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, you're holy. May thy kingdom come and will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So I think of places on earth where God's will, you know, I'm praying that it should be done. So right now for me, I'm praying for Ukraine. I pray for the war to end. I pray for peace on both sides. I pray for God's love and comfort to invade both sides and his will to be done. And, you know, I mean, I pray for victory for Ukraine and an end to the war. His will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And that's where I pray for whatever I might need for myself. I pray for my children. I pray for anyone who I'm thinking needs prayer. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Think, is there anything I need to be forgiven for? Anyone I need to forgive? So I run through and ask myself those questions. Um, lead us not into temptation. Deliver us from evil. Thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory. So I go through praise, asking for what I need, worship, thanksgiving. And then I end, when I end the whole thing, I ask, um, God, please show me what you would have me do throughout the day and give me whatever I need to meet the problems that arise. So that's my practice. It generally takes me about an hour. Um, and I think that's all I have. Thanks.